I'm walking through an airport a long way from home. Oh, I forgot to record the intro um, for this episode at the studio and before I left I don't even have my proper voice recorder here so I'm doing this on my mobile phone. Um, yeah, I'm feeling a bit stressed. Um, in, in, a, in a little while you'll hear a, um, an interview that I did with uh, Michaela Borat. Um, she says it's good to be stressed which I'm not really feeling right now. Um, yeah, not sure how it's going to go get my hire car if they'll um, accept my my credit card. Um, yeah, I don't even know where it is right now. Um, hopefully I'll be able to drive across the city and the GPS will work. Oh man, I'm feeling stressed. I think I need a hug. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. I'm here with uh, Michaela Borat. I know someone else called Michaela. That must be annoying to have Michaela's and Michaela's. And yes, it gets muddled up quite a bit. Yep. And yours <laughs> is spelt different, doesn't have a CH. Yep. Um, so, all right. So, tell us, um, tell us about yourself, Michaela. In particular, your connection with psychology and helping people and counselling that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, I've studied a Bachelor of Arts. I specialise in counselling and psychology, mm-hmm. and um, I'm particularly interested in working with um, children and adolescents. And um, the main issues that I found coming up are anxiety and depression. Not sure. necessarily in the diagnosed sense, but um, even in just the whole range of um, just feeling down and, and a lot of stress about lots of various things. Okay. So, Michaela, you've written an article for us in the April edition of Science of the Times. Thank, mm-hmm. Thanks for doing that. Right. Um, and your focus in that article was on stress in particular. Mm-hmm. And you begin the article by talking about your experience um, doing, I think, you don't actually say it clearly, but I think you're referring to your time during year 12. Is that right? A time when you were pretty stressed? No, not quite. It's actually my time between finishing my bachelor degree and looking for a job. Oh, okay. Yes. So, in that time, I was, um, while I was studying, I took on a lot of extracurricular things and I was trying to fit a lot into my program. And then this was a time trying to simplify and focus on what what did I really want to fit into my time? What do I want to commit to? Okay, you realise you can't do everything all yes, of a sudden. Yes, I did realise that. It was very stressful <laughs> trying to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and I guess this is a really common thing for people. People say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. It's all, you know, this is a, a very common experience in, um, I guess, you know, the modern Western world. Is that a factor with the people who you, you come in contact with through your counselling and just, you know, with your everyday life? Yes, everyone seems to be more busy these days. There's so many things trying to get our attention, trying to distract us. And um, with technology and things, we're always trying to multitask and do multiple things at once. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the whole presence of social media and, you know, having a smartphone with us all the time and all these, you know, yep. alerts and notifications always popping up and distracting us and everyone has to multitask. Everyone's constantly distracted. Yep. There's always something trying to get your attention or get a response from you. Yeah, sure. Yep. So you, you say in the article that you, you went through a period of trying to cut back and trying to sort of be a bit more minimalistic and decide what, what was important. How, how did that go? Yeah, so I was trying to learn the art of saying no, <laughs> even to things that maybe you want to do, but just working out what, what do I really have time for? What, what do I want to focus on? Mm. And yeah, in particular, working out what kind of area of counselling I want to go into mm-hmm. and 
what what did I have time for? What what did I want to study? Yeah, sure. Fair enough. I guess what's fascinating about your article is that you actually suggest that there there's a fair bit of evidence out there that stress is actually good for us mm-hmm. in, in some ways. And that's kind of surprising. But be, before we do that, can you just explain for us, you know, from a, a psychological point of view, a research point of view, how is stress bad for us? Mm-hmm. Well, so stress is bad for us because it can weaken our immune system, which leaves mm-hmm. us more susceptible to viruses, diseases, and can lead to exhaustion and breakdown if we really become overwhelmed. Okay. And it can also lead to anxiety disorders, panic disorders, mm. when that internal alarm system is going off in, at a, in a prolonged, for prolonged periods of time mm-hmm. when there isn't an actual threat there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So... Uh, I- probably should have taken a step back before asking that and say, well, what actually is stress? Can you define it for us from a, you know, from a psychologist's point of view in a way that, you know, that I'll understand? <laughs> well, um, stress is kind of any sort of tension that we feel, whether emotionally or physically, um, we kind of have that full body response to stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, any sort of time period where we're feeling a bit pressured, mm-hmm. that, um, either to get things done or... Pr- nervous about anything coming up. Stress mm-hmm. kind of covers all that, that range of things. Okay. So when you say full body response, are you talking about the, the sweating palms, the, the feeling yep. shaky, um, yep. sweating, suddenly feeling hot, um, pounding heart. Oh, okay. Yep. So the, the butterflies, your stomach. The, yep. So that's what you mean by full body yep. experience. What is going on like in our bodies that produces those kind of symptoms? Mm-hmm. So that's actually our body's natural stress resilience response. Mm-hmm. So um, our body is, yeah, our muscles are tightening, our heart is pumping more mm-hmm. blood around our body so that we're actually equipped to respond to the, the stress or the threat that we're um, experiencing. Okay. So it, in some ways, this kind of makes sense if you're strolling through the savannas of Africa and an elephant suddenly bursts out of the bush and you need to make a quick decision and possibly run. Yeah. Those... Yeah, that's those... what your body's preparing you literally to move. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but if you're sitting at your desk on a computer and um, you're on Facebook and someone says something really horrible about you, then those symptoms in some ways feel dysfunctional. Yes. In that, in that case, it's not your thoughts and your, your body response is not really matching up. You don't really need to run. There's not an actual physical threat against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another sort of threat. So that's how it can yeah. feel weird and it can feel like there's something wrong. Cause in, yeah. yeah. And that's where it can feel overwhelming. It feels like your body's shutting down on you or, or not functioning properly mm-hmm. and is actually trying to prepare you to do something about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is that when you are continu- when a person is continually exposed to these sort of stress-inducing events, mm-hmm. this bodily response is triggered over and over and over again. Yep. And that can actually get things out of whack in your body so far as what your hormonal balance or the or that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, the um, neurotransmitters in your brain, that chemical imbalance, that can c- mm. cause an anxiety disorder. Or in um, like panic attack disorders, you your alarm system is being set off mm-hmm. um, when there is no threat around. So your body's going into that um, kind of flight, fight or flight mode mm-hmm. when you're actually not in danger. So your body's setting off that alarm, kind of, it's like a faulty alarm. Oh, okay. And so like with um, PTSD, for example, like post-traumatic stress yep. disorder, um, I think one of the effects is people, are, what do they call it, hypervigilance, yep. where you're basically constantly on the alert, constantly 
on the lookout that something's going to get me. So if there's a, a sudden noise or someone comes up behind you unexpectedly, like you jump and you're ready to respond. Whereas I guess normally you, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, so that in that case, that um, certain stimulus, you your body's associating that with um, the stimulus of an actual threat, yep. and then the alarm's going off when there isn't the threat isn't there anymore. Okay, yep. all right. So uh, I think we can understand from that how stress can be bad for you. Yep. And, and I think we all instinctively relate to that. Oh, so much stress, you know, yeah. I, oh, I need to relax. It's all too much. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's right. Um, but, but as I said, you've suggested that stress is good for us. And I think you've sort of given us a little bit of a hint there by saying that your body's stress response is functional. Like it assists you to respond to a, a legitimate threat. So that's a way in which stress is good for us, I, yes. I guess you could say. Yeah. But are there other ways in which stress is good for us? Yeah, well, um, so... In that case, that response, our body's designed to respond that way, to protect mm-hmm. ourselves. But also, interestingly enough, in that stress response, the hormone oxytocin is released. Mm-hmm. And that's the same um, hormone that's released in, during physical contact and connection with others. Mm-hmm. And so, in that stress response, the hormone being released is actually prompting us to seek connection from others. Okay. All right. So, mm-hmm. Oxytocin. We're not talking about oxycontin or oxycodone or like these, you know, these opioid yeah. addictions that people have. This <laughs> not <is> a, medications. <laughs> no, is not. Oxytocin is a naturally produced chemical or hormone in our bodies. Yes. That it's sort of known as the bonding hormone. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of its, its street name. Uh, it's street name. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably a better way to say that. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. So, so when, um, like, when a, a woman gives birth, for example, um, there can be like a they see that baby and they have that feeling of, oh my goodness, I love this l- yep. little bundle of joy. Yeah. Um, that's a rush of oxytocin. Yeah. That's the okay. hormone that's being released. Okay. Yes. Or um, I don't know if you've looked into like in the, the sexual experience, the afterglow, after sex, is that bonding yep. oxytocin? so that's that hormone being released again. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So yeah. that's oxytocin. But what you're saying is that when we're under stress, oxytocin is released. Yeah. So um, there's been some interesting research that's found that, that hormones also released when we're stressed, mm-hmm. which then drives us to be connected to others. Okay. I was thinking about this and I thought, well, that kind of makes sense. You think about a, a little kid who, you know, falls over and hurts their knee on something. What is their first impulse? It's to run to mum or dad for yep. a hug. Yeah, to seek that connection or they want touch. So, yeah, it's interesting. So it's almost, it, well, it seems like, it, like you say, it's a naturally programmed, naturally designed response that when we're under stress, we go to someone for comfort. We feel a need for for connection, but it's weird because as we get adult, as we become adults, it seems I don't know. We lose that in some way. We think if we're hurt, we need to go off into a room and cry by ourselves or, or something. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to ask for help or we don't want to rely on somebody else. We mm-hmm. just want to yeah be able to look after ourselves. All right. So you're saying stress can be good in the sense that it can help us to. Like it drives us to bond with other people, to strengthen our relationships with with other people. Yes, and then that um, that hormone oxytocin actually uh, helps us recover from stress. So physically, mm-hmm. it repairs the cells of the heart oh, after wow. they've been kind of exerted in that fight or flight response. Oxytocin then goes back in and repairs the cells 
after that um, physical response of our body as well. It actually repairs damage. So things that have been damaged through all the rush of, of stress or adrenaline or, yep. or whatever going through your through your body, the oxytocin comes and, and helps repair that quicker than it would repair otherwise. Yeah. So um, then if you do respond by connecting with somebody mm-hmm. and then more oxytocin is released, mm-hmm. that kind of reinforces that, that pattern that positive response that you've had in managing your stress and then the the hormone actually physically repairs your body after you're you've physically responded to that to wow. stress. That that's incredible. Yeah. 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 I I was kind of thinking about um you know I mentioned P- PTSD before mm-hmm. um and often we associate that with you know soldiers who are in on the battlefield on the front line and yeah. there's some pretty hardcore stuff going on pretty traumatic stuff going on and what you often hear from those um those soldiers when they get back is they say you know what I can't really explain this to anyone else um no one else really understands apart from other soldiers and I've never felt closer to other people than I did at that time you yeah. know, w- with my buddies on the front line there. We, we went through something incredibly traumatic together yeah. and it brought us incredibly close. Yeah, that, um, that would have been that rush of oxytocin, that mm-hmm. relying on each other, mm-hmm. that um, would have yeah, really strengthened that bond. Mm-hmm. I imagine in that situation, that's even kind of heightened even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess on the flip side, if you were to go through a traumatic um, episode and that rush of oxytocin comes that, to prompt you to bond with someone, and when you try to bond with someone, you get rejected, you get pushed back, or you find yourself alone in some way, that must be a very confusing, difficult time for, uh, for a human to go through. Yeah, that, that can be quite damaging in that it, it's kind of preventing you from um, that natural response that your body wants. Mm. It's kind of um, that negative experience is kind of making you question whether, wait on, this is what I think I need, but I'm not getting that. And yeah, it can be quite confusing mm-hmm. and quite a lonely feeling when yeah. you're, you're not getting that, um, that reassurance that you need. And, and I guess what re- repeated experiences of that could end you up with I guess some fairly, you know, mixed up ideas. I mean, you're with children, you see things like attachment disorders and things yeah, like that. From yeah, it really reinforces that if I'm stressed, there may not be somebody there to support me and yeah. that can um, increase the stress. So you, you've linked some of these positive responses of stress to, to an interesting source that I have to admit I didn't see coming. You, you've actually gone back 2,000 years to look at the words of, of Jesus Christ and you've linked that with this whole thing of oxytocin and stress. Please you know, talk us through that. Yeah, so then um, once I came in, um, this came aware of this research, mm-hmm. um, I was then reading about the, in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, in chapter five, um, Jesus' Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And this is um, quite a well-known sermon that he talked about and these Beatitudes or blessings mm-hmm. Um, this, this is a series of statements that he made. We say, blessed are the, this kind of people. Blessed are those kind of people. Blessed yeah. are another kind of people. And each time he says, blessed are these because of that. Blessed are those because of that. Blessed are those. Okay, a series of yeah. statements. Yeah, a series of statements like that. So I was looking at two in particular in conjunction with this research. Mm. And the first one was, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, so yeah, God blesses those who are poor. See, that that's just weird straight away. And I yep. imagine it would have been weird to Jesus' first hearers. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, th- I thought it was the... It's all back to front. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the wealthy people who were blessed. What do you mean by saying the, the poor are blessed? Yeah. So what did he mean and how do you connect that with, with this psychological research? Yeah, well, um, if you were to Google the most stressful life experiences, mm-hmm. there's a variety of lists, but most all of those lists usually include loss of job 
or a situation that has negative financial repercussions. Mm, mm. And so, I think pretty consistently one of the top three causes of divorce is financial stress. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, it's quite, it's related. So, in the Bible saying that the blessed are those who are poor and realize they need for him, mm-hmm. this is compatible with the research telling us that in these stressful circumstances, if we realize our need for other people, if we reach mm-hmm. out to other people, we're actually going to be healthier. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so, you're saying you, you, if, if you go through that tough time, you, you're struggling with money, but you use that opportunity and that stress to yep. reach out to other people, to connect with other people, to ask for help from other people, yeah. you actually end up feeling connected in a way that perhaps you wouldn't have if you hadn't have gone through those tough financial times. Yeah. And yeah. recognizing that the stress is not actually harmful for you mm-hmm. is kind of the key factor there. So, um, a little bit more research that I probably didn't touch on earlier yep. it was shared in a TED Talk by a psychologist, Kelly McGonigal. Yep. And Love TED Talks. Yes, they're brilliant. (laughs) This one was really interesting because um, she realized that everything she'd been telling people, her clients, about stress was actually wrong. Mm. And um, Oops. Yeah, whoops. Someone's going to (laughs) sue. Yeah. And she found that actually the risk of um, premature death, stress-related, was only increased if the individuals actually perceived the stress as harmful for them. Wow. So, this um, is real mind over matter stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. Really, the power of the brain is quite strong over the body. Yeah. So it found that avoiding stress actually caused atrophy, which is the degeneration of the cells. So the body actually physically starts breaking down. Wow. And um, so we need challenges. We, we yeah, we actually need that stress and we need that release of oxytocin mm-hmm. to build our body to be physically healthy and mm-hmm. to be emotionally healthy to connect with people. Oh, okay. So, so the worst thing you can do is to say, I'm just staying in bed. I'm going to curl up here. Nothing can hurt me here. I, I won't have to, like, no one's going to ask me to do anything. I'm just going to stay here alone because people are too hard. That, that results in yep. atrophy. Yep. Your body will physically start breaking down. Yep. Wow. Far out. Okay. Yeah. So, so blessed are the poor because when you're in under stress, you, you'll connect, you know, you'll connect with people. Yeah, if you realize yeah. what your, your body needs, it needs you to connect and reach out to other people. Mm-hmm. And if you realize that that's what your body is doing and that it's not trying to shut down on you or trying to harm you, mm-hmm. then you'll actually be healthier physically and emotionally. Wow. Okay. And you had another beatitude too, I think. Yeah. So the next one was God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Mm-hmm. So, so mourn, we're talking about like l- grief and loss here. Yeah. So mourning is um, showing your showing and feeling that grief. Okay. Yeah. Which we're probably less well, less good at doing in, in our culture. I mean, there are some cultures, um, I think of Papua New Guinea, where I spent some years growing up, like they have a ceremony called a house cry, yeah. where everyone goes to the house of the family of the deceased and there's lots of wailing and screaming and falling down on the ground dramatically and, and you know, for a sort of white stiff upper lip, you know, people, you know, like, yeah. like my people and my culture, <laughs> yeah. that's a, all a bit, you know, over the top. Or, yeah, I think, you've got to I try think, and be yeah. composed and keep that kind of front that but you're But in other okay. cultures, yeah. it's, you know, you need to get it out, express it, you know, yeah. have a good cry. We even say that in our own culture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Actually falling apart and relying on other people is actually really, yeah, really wow. healthy. So yeah. blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, so in those um, list of most stressful life experiences, all of the lists include a death of a spouse or a loved one, mm-hmm. and they usually include um, divorces or separation. Yeah. And as we know, those experiences result in a sense of loss mm. and, and then grief. And 
and an activity of mourning. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so, again, you're saying blessed are those who mourn. Is that another stressful situation that is going to drive us to connect with others? Is, is it the same, basically the same insight that you're drawing out of that? Yeah, pretty similar. So, um, we're blessed when we mourn. So, when we actually f- feel and show that grief rather mm-hmm. than just experiencing it on the inside, mm-hmm. that will lead us to seek comfort from others. And that's when, again, we can be physically and emotionally healthier. Wow. Okay. That's cool. So what does this suggest to us? You know, these insights from psychology, from the the Bible even, what do they suggest to us uh, about our attitude as we face life? You know, what sort of things should we be looking out for? And what sort of um, strategy should we, you know, have in place when it comes to stressful situations? Because sometimes it's good to, you know, uh, what do they say to be um, forewarned is to be forearmed. You know, if, if you have a strategy in your mind about, okay, well, next time I face this stress- yeah. stressful situation, I'm going to do ABC. Can you, can you give us an, an ABC? Yeah, well, something that I've been trying to do since becoming aware of this research mm-hmm. is when I notice that I'm starting to feel anxious mm-hmm. or nervous about something, is taking time to pause and note what is my body physically doing. Okay. So, you know, am I getting a bit sweaty? Is my heart racing? Am I feeling a bit sick in the stomach? Mm-hmm. What is it that my, my body's telling me? Okay. And, and what, what effect does that have? Because I'm pretty sure I've heard that advice when it comes to anxiety attacks to actually be aware and name the things that are happening to your bodies. Yeah. So um, kind of being aware, it just brings you sort of out of your mind mm-hmm. where you can kind of get lost in those thoughts and they can get bigger and bigger and swallow you up and just being come, becoming aware of what's happening right now. Okay. And it really helps to ground you and to um, help you focus on what, what's true and what is my mind really blowing mm. out of proportion. So it sort of helps you be a bit more objective. Like in a sense, you're stepping out of your body yep. and observing yourself yeah. and saying, no, wait a minute, what am I feeling here? What am I doing? Uh, what sort of thoughts are going around and around in my head? You know, because sometimes you get this really negative self-talk that can yep. spiral away. This is terrible. This is horrible. Yeah. This is going to end up so badly. <laughs> this is, oh no, this is a, the biggest disaster ever in my whole life. Um, you know, because you're standing at the checkout and the, the thing said, you know, card declined, yeah. you know, and, and you're, <laughs> you're convinced this is the end of yeah, your life. Yeah, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, um, um, because we, there's quite a link between your thoughts, your feelings and your behavior. So, there's yep. that kind of circular link. So, if you're kind mm-hmm. of stopping and interrupting that circle and yep. thinking, okay, wait, what am I, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Okay, so step, step one, be aware. Yeah, be aware. so be aware. Yep. What's your body trying to tell you? What are you doing? Yep. And then um, thinking, so what does that mean I need to do? Mm-hmm. So am I stressed because I've got lots of things to get done? Mm-hmm. So, you know, do I need to be a bit more productive? Do I need to be a bit more intentional with my time? Mm-hmm. Or is there something that's really making me uncomfortable? Is there something that maybe um, I need to to separate myself from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so w- what's causing this? Okay. Yeah, thinking about yeah, what what is it? And and on the flip side is it could be is is this reasonable? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that I often do with clients is so if something that they're worrying about and I might ask them, so what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Or so if that happens, what what's the worst that's going to happen? And usually if you follow that train of of thought and those questions, and sometimes it takes a few a few goes of asking. You yep. usually get to, oh, that's not actually likely to happen at all. Yep, yep. And that can really help, kind of stop you from spiraling down into that, <laughs> into the, the worst things going to happen. I, actually, I I think you know my son Levi. Yeah. Um, when he was really small, he was petrified um, of the bath 
like if the bath was filling up for him to have a bath and, yeah. it, and the level was getting higher, he'd start freaking out. Yeah. And it, it was like he had this idea of catastrophe in his head that yeah. what was going to happen if the bath <laughs> overflowed. Yeah. So one day I said, right, okay, we're just going to keep the bath going till it does overflow and then you're going to see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll see it's not that bad. <laughs> exactly. It just went over the edge. It went across the bathroom floor a bit and down the plug hole that was in the middle of the bathroom. And it was like, yeah, see? It's no great disaster. So that was a really important thing for him to go through to yep. actually like start to reduce that fear. Yeah. 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 So just then thinking, just determining, is this reasonable mm-hmm. or, you know, is there something I could do about it? Yep. Sure. It's really important. And, and, and what about the, um, the oxytocin bonding thing is, is another practical tip to like use that opportunity of stress to, to connect with someone, to share with someone? Yeah. So, um, because we know that our body's releasing that hormone, that's mm. what we're seeking. The best thing is to reach out to somebody, mm-hmm. to tell somebody, to um, even just to spend some time with somebody mm-hmm. and to release more of that oxytocin and physically repair your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that what best possible result would be someone you trust and care about who's physically right there, who you can give a hug. That, yep. that can actually... It, you say, well, what's the point of a hug? It doesn't solve my problem. It you know, doesn't put money back in my account. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it's going to physically help your body. It's going to yeah. physically help you. Yeah. Wow. All and right. um, also even not just the physical touch, but even eye contact releases that oxytocin. Mm-hmm. So oh, that really? quality time with somebody and actually making eye contact with them. Wow. Yeah. Well, does that still count over Skype or FaceTime? I don't know if they've done research that, that works over screens. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it would because it's that feeling, that connection with somebody, and you, that you've got their yeah, attention. Yeah. Or, or even exchanging a couple of text messages or, or whatever. I mean, I guess that's got to be better than nothing. Yeah, that's still connecting with someone. That's still going to release um, release that hormone. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. So there's some other really interesting research that shows the importance of um, eye contact for the release of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And there's been some studies now with um, mothers and newborn babies Mm. that's showing that mothers are being interrupted by text messages, phone calls, or they're trying to be on social media Mm -hmm. and multitask while they're breastfeeding or changing a nappy even. And um, not having that eye contact with their babies, they've found is actually putting them at risk of depression in adolescence. Putting the babies at risk? Putting the babies at risk. Later in life? Of, yeah, mental disorders later in life. Wow. You know the incredible thing about that, and I've I've heard and I believe it's true, that, you know, babies don't see very well, but the perfect focal distance for them, like where they can see clearly and in focus, is the distance between the breast and the mother's eye. Yeah. Is that that person right there nurturing them? Yeah. And that that eye contact is really important for them to feel that um, support and and then release that hormone, which is vital for their brain development. Look, these are are really fascinating insights, Michaela. And and to me, it's, I guess I'm just left in awe really of, you know, the way that we're created, our bodies and minds, and the way that we are created for connection with with one another. You know, we we human beings are social animals, aren't we? We really are. You know, we're created to live in families. We're created to nurture one another. And it's a really beautiful part of life. I mean, you say in the article that you're a, a bit of an introvert. Yes. Um, you know, you like to be by yourself. What have these insights done for you in terms of perhaps changing the way you think about or the way you go about connecting with other people? Um, well, as an introvert, my 
when I'm stressed or my go-to to recharge, re-energize is mm-hmm. to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. So knowing this research has really made me more intentional about making sure that I reach out to somebody while mm-hmm. I'm stressed. Because when you stay on your own, when you're isolated, that's when it can really spiral and get out of control. The Being isolated is quite a risk to, um, to your mental health. Mm. So making sure that I remember that it's important for me to, to connect with somebody else and to let someone else know. And that doesn't mean a whole bunch of people. It could be one one important person, one close person. Yeah, yeah. Which is more likely for an introvert, I guess, to have exactly. a, a couple of more close... More comfortable for an introvert. A yeah, <laughs> couple of close friends, but yeah. they're really vitally important. Yes. Wow. The whole idea of the healing touch is not just an expression. Yeah, it, it's actually what our f- body physically does. It actually heals itself with touch. It's something real. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Hey, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it, Michaela. Right, thank you, Kent. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast. 